0: Hello, everybody. This is Bill Knauer, and you're listening to Author to Author, where we talk about writing and life, because what it takes to write the book you want to write is also what it takes to lead the life you want to lead. It's true. Author to Author is brought to you by Author Magazine, premier free writing magazine on the internet, featuring articles on writing and the writing life, as well as video interviews with bestselling and award-winning authors across the genres. Got something a little different up there now. I looked back at some of the interviews I've done recently and kind of reflected on what I learned from them and how uh, all the advice the authors give, like the kind of advice the authors give on this show, reflected the author's journey, the journey that in many ways we all take, that there's a certain aspect of the author's life that is similar between all writers, no matter what you write. Anyway, I reflected on that in the author's journey. It's on Author Magazine right now. Next month, I'm going to do something even more Unusual, somewhat more unusual I'm going to interview three different writers uh, Who are all a ma- member of something called uh, Seattle 7 a group of great writers here in Seattle Who have been doing some fabulous work around um, Literacy and promoting writing Garth Stein, he of Art of Racing in the Rain That's a movie out right now He's going uh, to be there The wonderful Jenny Shortridge And oh, the nicest writer of serial killers you ever meet Kevin O'Brien will be talking to them And that will be up in our next issue Look for it Okay, we're also funded by the Pacific Northwest Writers Association, supporting writers from pen to publication since 1955. You can learn about the PNWA at pnwa.org. You know, if you like writers' conferences, and don't we all? Well, maybe not all, but I do. I like going to them. I love teaching there, and I'll be there, and a lot of writers will be there, pitching their novels, their memoirs, their nonfiction books, all genres. Lots of agents, lots of editors, lots of teachers. Lots and lots of writers. If you're in the Northwest, think about it. It's a good one. It's going to be in September. It's just it's coming up. It's just like a month away, less than a month away, 13th of September. Oh, but there's still spots left, so go check it out, uh, pnwa.org. Okay. Who do we got today? We got a mover and shaker, people. That's who we've got. We've got Allison Cher. She is a generational change agent, organizational consultant, and the author of the highly entertaining and motivating The Millennial's Guide to Changing the World. She has spent the past decade working as a journalist, interviewing hundreds of people on some of the most pressing issues of our time. Her work has been published in books, newspapers, and magazines around the country. But she's here with us today. How are you doing, Allison?
1: I'm doing great. I'm happy to be here.
0: Well, I'm happy to have you here. We're here to talk about change. Change, Allison, it's good. We got to do it, right? We've <laughs> all got to change.
1: Yeah, you got to change the world before it changes you.
0: Ooh, that's true. And let me ask you this if you could change the world, if you had a magic wand and you could change the world, you could, you could say you get one change with it? What would it be? What would be the first thing you'd change?
1: Oh man the one change redistribution of resources so that all life forms can thrive
0: I like it I like it. Well you know you're not alone in that I think there's a growing desire for that Uh, it's it's slow growing but I think it's starting to maybe catch on a little bit do you think that that is uh, so you write about Well, actually, let's back up. Let's back up. Uh, The Millennial's Guide to Changing the World, uh, that came out in 2018, and I get the sense that this is not just an idea you had for a book and you wrote it and sold it, but it's kind of a culmination of the work you've done sort of in your life thus far. Is that a fair assessment?
1: Yeah, well, you know, uh, writing is my career. It's not just a hobby, and so you know we want to build on our past accomplishments and you know I was working as a journalist for a newspaper and interviewing a lot of people and interviewing them mostly on arts and culture issues and wanted to wanted to write about topics that were more impactful and I felt like it was really time for me to to write my first book. So, but my original com- concept I had been ghostwriting for other people and I was like it's time for me to to say something that I right. say something big and I was like what should I do? And I was like, "Oh, I'll become the voice of a generation, but you know that's kind of oh. ground grandiose. I'm like, and it's been done before. I was like, I just call myself a voice of the generation right. because there's so many voices in my book. I interviewed 200 people for it, and you know the millennials are just we were so highly publicized. We have the worst PR of any generation. You know, we're, <laughs> there's so much buzz around us. We are like the no, generation.
0: Why? Why is that, do you think? Why? I mean, because I, so I'm I technically a Gen Xer, I think. Uh, and it seems like the millennials, I, so I've watched the generations, you know, there was the boomers before me. And it seems like the millennials have gotten a lot of attention. Why do you think that is? Why more than others? Well, well I That's think a probably
1: a lot of. A lot of it has to do with just the, the media landscape, you know, so yeah. social media, digital media. So these things are getting more projected at us because there's just yeah. they're being amplified at a larger volume and with more channels for people to yeah. share with their thoughts and opinions. So there's that. And then there's another factor around the youth always kind of being criticized and condemned by older yeah. generations. That's always the and case. That's always the case. And then, you know, you have this generation that I think is actually, um, well, we certainly have our character deficits, as everyone does. Sure. uh, We, you know, we are very, we are changing the, we are changing the concept of adulthood in ways that uh, other generations haven't. Just, you know, really... Really questioning the American dream, really questioning um, the concept of marriage, employment, work and love is what Freud always said. How's your work life? How's your love life? If those two are good, you're okay. Um, Just really wanting to uh, redefine things on our own terms. And we're not really making decisions because of societal programs that previous generations were just like, this is just what you do. Like you Right. You get married, this is a, you have right. a family, you go to college, right. you, you, you know, you stick with one career your whole life. We're really creating our own way through the world, and yeah. I think for a lot of us, it ends up becoming looking like this package, you know, this tr- more traditional package. But we're really arriving there on our own times, and um, questioning, deeply questioning, on a spiritual, philosophical, existential level why we do the things that we do and um i think that's that's confrontational for people who've built their lives around those those
0: paradigms sure absolutely i you know i always thought of think of uh, because i i have two boys and raising children was a big part was a like a lot of people who are parents, not all, but for me, it was certainly I learned a lot about life and myself by raising my voice. And one of the things that hit me about kids, when new generations come in, is I always think of it like a story. You know, you read a book, you're writing a book, and you get so used to the story. You just because you've been writing it and writing it, and you're so used to it and so used to it. And then you give it to a fresh pair of eyes because they aren't used to the story, and they can tell you what they like about it, the assumptions you had about that story that they don't have. And it can be very refreshing and helpful when this fresh pair, I always think of the new generation like that, like the generations before them have been telling the same story in this way, and they just haven't thought about like, maybe it's okay if people have different genders, maybe it's okay if black people marry white people, whatever it is, you know, whatever the story people assumed, the new generation just can question it in a way that once you've been telling the story again and again and again, you just can't. Does that make sense?
1: Oh yeah, and that's why it's so. You know what I do now with my organizational consulting is help all generations work together to uh, create w- create cultures that that are are that are more complete because of having all these different generational perspectives on it. And right. I like to say that older people have a certain amount of wisdom that younger people don't have, just through lived experience. But young people have a certain intelligence that older people don't have as well. And it's important that we honor them all if we really want to understand the bigger picture.
0: Absolutely. absolutely. And so what, but you personally, you know, you're one of millions and millions and millions of millennials, obviously, but not every millennial is interested in there in the sort of generational perspective. What is it? When did you get interested in that specifically? You know, cause I know a lot of writers and some of them are in your, Bracket generally, it's not interesting to them. But what about it interested you?
1: Well, I guess I was interested because I felt uh, – well, first I was like, why does everyone hate us? <laughs> you know? Because, <laughs> everyone doesn't hate
0: <laughs> you. You just easy to pick on because you're <laughs> Okay, but so everybody seemed just, to hate you. All right.
1: So I was like, okay, everyone hates me. I, like, graduated right into the Great Recession, and right. I was, like, really – I felt like, you know, there was a portrait of this generation that I I became fascinated with because the society at large didn't really have space for us to integrate into it. And I was struggling Mm -hmm. and I wanted to I just wanted to understand what was going on with my peers. And and then and then I started to get like much more fascinated on generational theory and how actually intergenerational tensions evolve civilization and being concerned about the climate. Yeah. Like being concerned about the climate crisis and being concerned about, uh, about bureaucracy and hierarchies and how that's preventing certain types of societal change from happening that younger generations are going to have to inherit and deal with the unintended consequences of business as usual, you know, I started to right. realize just how important generations are and how much that's overlooked when we start talking about uh, just just societal evolution and personal evolution and, and all of it. It's change happens generationally
0: yeah well it's really true although one you know i was thinking about is one thing that stays consistent is that older people vote more like older people like it seems like the closer you are to dying the more likely you are to vote it just never <laughs> changes because i know when i was young i was not interested in it. like my now my sons are both passionate about it which is great i i take no credit for that but they are but i really didn't couldn't look sideways at it uh And that usually is the case, you know, younger people don't vote as often. Do you think that's shifting at all with the millennials? Not that you're an authority, but you are kind of swimming around in that a lot?
1: (laughs) Yeah, well, I recently read a article, I believe in the New Yorker, about like this Trump presidency kind of bringing about a political revolution amongst young people where we start to realize this sort of like – disenfranchisement and nihilism that characterizes youth and modernity where we feel kind of disconnected from the world and we don't think it matters and we feel alienated and you know that that it's really starting to show just how much it does matter and if the youth did show up to vote you know most elections are pretty pretty touch and go you know having having the youth show up and actually vote according to our values, it would be the would be the linchpin game changer in pretty much most elections in the past few decades. And so it's up to us to really, A, understand how the system works and then B, like find our agency in it. And there's no nothing greater or more powerful than voting, you know,
0: I agree. I agree. Yeah, I agree. So all right, so you so you so you said okay. I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm a journalist. You said you had done some ghost. Did you write, ghost write books for people or articles? What were you ghostwriting?
1: I would ghost write biographies, memoirs.
0: Yeah. For yeah. people,
1: so a lot of How'd it's like, like really in. Oh, I love it. There's nothing better. It's almost like I'm a therapist, you know. <laughs>
0: uh, really?
1: <laughs> yeah. You know, people want to find the plot to their life. Story and they want to yeah. know how they got here. And then you want to have an empowering narrative. It's so easy for us to feel victimized by our yes. life events and yeah. unwanted experiences and to just find this story about who you are and all the different characters that have influenced your development. You know, it, it's it's one of the greatest honors is to to know someone that deeply and then to create to create something that profound given the information they've shared about themselves with you.
0: Right. And so you would probably, I've known some people who did that and it's fascinating work. You kind of go and just sit with them for hours first asking them a lot of questions and sort of getting a feel for their life, really, because I mean, you're not writing it with them. You're really writing it uh, based on, I assume, like I said, hours of, of interviews. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and then for some of it, uh, my my main one that I've done is about an environmental activist. So I would actually follow him and go to protest. He walked he walked across the country for seven months for climate action, and so spent wow. some time with him there. So very like
0: in the field as yeah. well, field work. All right. And so and so you you said eventually that so I got to write my own thing, but like take me to that moment uh, because. It's one thing to say I've got to write my own book, but you got to have a book you want. Like, do you know there's a guy named Gary Zukov who wrote The Seed of the Soul, The Dancing Wooly Mask. He's kind of a spiritual teacher. He's a fascinating guy who like really decided he wanted to be a writer. So he like wrote, read books on how to write a book, and you know like really girded, bought himself a typewriter. This was a bunch of years ago. And sat down and realized he had nothing he actually wanted to say. <laughs> so it wasn't enough to want to be a writer. He had to have something mm-hmm. to, want to write. And so, so you were a writer, but I mean, you said okay, I want to write a book. But how did you like? Talk to me about the moment you thought, no, this is the particular book I want to write. Talk to me about that moment, kind of how you knew.
1: Oh well, I I actually had, you know, I can, I rewrote my book proposal probably four times. Oh
0: because yeah. Because
1: I'm yeah. What know, was the yeah. first
0: one? What was the first version?
1: Oh, it was a lot more angry, a lot more. <laughs> um, you know, I, I had this. I was still very in that that space where i wanted to make i wanted to make whatever i made without any consideration for market forces like didn't even you know didn't was really against this idea that i had to commodify the idea in any way and shape it so that it would be digestible by someone else other than me you know right you know you want to Yeah. So it went through a lot of different iterations, but I knew I wanted to have a holistic perspective on things. Like I knew I didn't want it to be like the millennials guide to house buying or the millennials guide to higher education. I I knew I wanted it to include all of the different areas of life that we have to navigate. And Mm -hmm. so that was really the, that was really the one thing I wasn't willing to compromise about. And it was because of my own kind of exploration into integral studies and holistic, holistic studies. And I knew I found, I found coherence and liberation by looking at things through that lens. So I knew that I wanted to make a generate, it's almost like the millennials guide to changing the world. It's like a theory of everything through the eyes of this one generation.
0: Right. And when you were a, y- a much younger person, so before you are in college, say, were, did you already have an interest in, in a sort of holistic changing the world, or were you just sort of into what you were into and the world was going to be whatever the hell it was, you didn't care, which I think would have been a good description of me when I was 16, <laughs> say.
1: Oh, yeah, I was always very spiritual. I got into meditation in high school and martial arts. And, um, and then and then I was always kind of rebellious As a kid and I was against You know I didn't like people Telling me what to do and I didn't like The yeah. schools telling me what. You know I was always very critical Probably to my own yeah. detriment you know
0: <laughs> Yeah Well yeah but you know You have question you got to question stuff You know you don't just want to You got to find your own way So and you know I had One of my sons I had to homeschool him because he was, you know, they call him on the spectrum. But really, his main thing is he didn't like to do things because other people told him to. And school is mostly you doing what people tell you to do. And so mm-hmm. if you're not into that, you're going to be rebellious. You know, it makes perfect sense to me.
1: Yeah. And, you know, I think when the rebel archetype matures, they become innovators, right? They are yeah. able to synthesize this critical eye that they have in these um these ideals that might be very important to them that are maybe not as fully expressed as they could be in the world, and they and they use that that edge and and that uh, free thinking nature to to make things better for everybody else, but they don't throw the baby out with the bathwater while they do it, you know? Right,
0: right. And so, all right. So you said, okay, I want I don't want to just write a, I, I got to want something holistic kind of the theory of everything. And so then you set out, you did a lot of interviews for this. It wasn't just you sitting down and saying, this is what I think you wanted to, it it is your voice ultimately, but it's based on in conversations with a lot of people. So obviously there was a lot of learning on your part. Talk about some of the things that you learned just in thinking about this book and just in talking to people and writing it. What are like two or three of the things you did not really know or understand until you started writing this book?
1: Well, first I made it. I wanted there to be this peace-building component to the book, so to empathy, helping people who maybe have an enemy out, picturing of the other identity to be able to empathize with them. So first, I had to do that myself. So I, you know, I'm here, this kind of idealistic. Idealistic, rebellious young person. I'm, I'm not as young as I once was, as none of us are. But nobody did, um, right. But, no, yeah, I, I think I got older, Bill. Just right there. Uh, so, so yeah. So, you know, I would sit down with people I had judgments about, or maybe blamed them for cer- certain things I didn't like in my environment, right. and really sit with them for hours and have these in-depth conversations about their life history. And just realizing yeah. how much we are such a product of our conditioning, and how everybody's really safe searching after security and significance in much yeah. of what they do, and it made me, um, it made me able to love all these different people in in a, in a right. deeper capacity. So that was. That was the biggest thing. And then you know, this idea that we can't know what the portrait of America is without studying all the different perspectives that make up this incredibly diverse country. So yep. it really also helped me understand why the system works the way that it does and how it evolved and um, the history behind things. It can be, it can it can be very grounding to, to just understand that, you know, and it's not that everything that happens is morally right or anything, but you start to realize the framework that things are coming out of and, um, yeah. the intentions that we have is just like, we have a, it's, it's a lot to hold us all together, you know?
0: Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. So yeah, it's good. So it's easy, it's easy to, Yep, so you learned, all right, so that you got to meet people from all these, you, people you might have disagreed with once you learned their story. You still didn't want to, you still didn't agree with maybe the choices they made, but you, what their choices made sense to you now, right? So you had compassion for them, and so you learned that, and you learned the sort of, this the, like, the, the huge wave of historical momentum that, that sort of crashes up on the beach of the present moment. You got to see that. And what else did you get to see? One more thing you you learned. There must be well there's probably lots.
1: Yeah. Oh man, there's so much. You know, and and then this is more of just like the craft of writing. It's just like, you know, Ernest Hemingway yeah. says the greatest tool any writer needs to have is a built in shock proof bullshit <laughs> detector.
0: <laughs> That's you know? right. Yeah.
1: And and writing for me is just like any kind of psychological complexes you might have, any kind of distorted thinking that you have you know it's going to be very apparent for everybody to see once you put those thoughts on paper so you know for me it's almost like neuro-linguistic programming I had to go through and write a narrative that was hopeful And even though, you know, I've, you know, like write down a narrative that would actually inspire people and give them hope in the face of all of these, all of these, you know, crises that are currently happening and all, you know, you go down the rabbit hole and you want to figure out what's going on and and you get confronted with a lot of dark stuff and, and, you know, but all we can really do is face ourselves at the yeah. end of it. And so this book made me have to face myself and through the narrative, I was actually able to empower, empower myself to um, be like, okay, like, it's not just about this one generation. It's about all generations working together, but me as Allison chair, I'm going to show up in a good way and do my part. So, yeah. and and I'm going to be able to speak from a place of authentic positivity about what's possible for us yeah. as a humanity moving forward.
0: You know, I, I really commend you on that. It's, it's, um, I, uh, I am relentlessly optimistic. It's the only frame of mind that I can survive by. And I happen to believe it's very easy to be pessimistic. It's very easy to be pessimistic. I don't think it takes any creativity. I don't think it takes any intelligence. I don't think it takes any, it certainly doesn't take any wisdom. But I think finding hopefulness, finding sort of inherent intelligence and love that's in life, I think that takes far more courage and far more creativity and far more insight than simply saying, well, everything's going to hell. I was here to tell you that. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, I hope you enjoyed your $15 <laughs> yeah. that you just spent yeah, on that's my right.
0: That's right. See you later. <laughs> Don't say I didn't warn you. <laughs>
1: yeah yeah and you know we are these amazing beings that our thoughts very much uh color our perceptions and from there like our actions and you know we have this very um we have these very powerful minds and with enough practice we can train ourselves to be positive and to look at things from this higher perspective this long-term almost like eternal spiritual viewpoint where you're like, it's all going to be okay. And, and That's this right. is for whatever reason, like this is what love wants to do to help us awaken to it, you know? So
0: Absolutely. So we,
1: you just gotta, you just gotta show up, take a deep breath and, and yeah, it's going to be okay.
0: I always think I'm a, I'm a glasses half full guy. And the way I think of it is you say you got a glass, And there's the part of it that's full and the part of it that's not full, that's empty. If you want it to be full, you don't stare at the empty part saying, look how empty it is. Look at that. There's nothing there. You look at where there is water and you say, that's what I want. I want more of that. Look at it. Look at it. I want more of that. You got to look at what you want and say more of it instead of looking at what you don't want and say, why isn't it there? Yeah. Does that Mm -hmm. make sense? just looking, it's not there. It's like, if you want peace, go find people who are being peaceful. They will show you how to be peaceful. Don't look at people who are fighting. They will not teach you how to be peaceful. And I think we spend Mm -hmm. a lot of time just looking at the things we hate, thinking, look at that, so wrong. Look at the inequality. And instead of finding people who are treating each other equally, there's so many examples. All right, I'm off my soapbox. Uh, So, all right, so you've written this book. You liked writing it. Did you enjoy it?
1: Oh, it was torturous. I liked parts of it, (laughs) but, you know, it was, there was something about my own ego and my own attachments to it that that made it harder than it needed to be. This yeah. next book that I'm yeah. working on, I, I can just tell already how it's coming through and it's coming through so much more effortlessly.
0: Good. Well, you know what that, you know what's interesting is you probably learn one of the lessons all off. Like, you learn this to some degree when you're a journalist, but you really learn it when you write your own book, which is you write it and then really you just sort of, even though you got paid for it and people buy a copy, you're kind of giving it away to people because they're going to go make of it what they will, right? They're going to have their own experience of it, and it's, you can not you can try to be attached to it, but it doesn't matter because the person who reads it, they're going to have their own ideas anyway, right?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. So yeah, maybe, yeah. You, yeah, nothing like publishing to learn that lesson.
1: <laughs> right, and you know what? You put your heart and soul into something, and the monetization of it is just, you know, um, it's, Writing a book's not the best way to make money. We all know that. And, <laughs> not normally. Um, not normally. There are some very successful people, though. But, yeah, and, and then, you know, you pour your heart and your soul out on a paper, and, and you're like, okay, here, do with it what you will. And then it gets yeah. criticized and sometimes, you know, venerated and, you know, all yeah. of it. And you just kind of your only job is to make it and then to move on to the next thing that you make.
0: That's right. That's such a good attitude. That's healthy, Allison. That's the attitude you need to be to do this for a long time. It'll keep you from spending all your nights tearing your hair out. I hope you can yeah. hang on to that point of view. It's the correct one. Okay. So listen, if people – I have one more question for you, but before I get to that, if people want to learn all about Allison hair, it's Share. or – I think I'm pronouncing it wrong. It's Share. No, you're pronouncing like the, it right.
1: It's like Share the diva but with an S. Okay. Oh,
0: it is. Okay. All right. Good. Allison Share. Uh, all right. Where, if they want to learn about you, if they want to hire you to to consult their organization, or they just want to find out about you, where should they go?
1: Uh, so my website is www for the organizational consulting. Um. So yeah. www millennials dot com. All right. All right. And then and it's just it, me as a writer, Allison dot yeah. com.
0: Got it. Oh, you got two of them. Okay, good for you. All right, Allison. I want you to finish Bill. This sentence. Yes. <laughs> I want you to finish this sentence for me. If writing has taught you anything, it's taught you what? To. Oh, yes. Yes. I thought we lost you. To let, go, if, to let go.
1: To let go. To let go. To
0: let go. Yeah. That's good, isn't it? It's good to let go, isn't mm-hmm. it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You don't have to carry all that crap around Mm-hmm. That's good Well, Allison, uh, listen I, I look forward to your next book The one that's going effortlessly That's the best kind of writing there is I happen to believe It's my experience And uh, congratulations on this And trying to change the world You probably already have a little <laughs> bit and You don't even know it You have, it's how it works It's how it works, Allison <laughs>
1: Thank you, Bill I've enjoyed this conversation a lot
0: as have I. Thanks for coming on. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Let it go, people. Let it go. I don't know what it is. I don't know what you got to let go of, but you know you got to let go of something. You know you do. You know you do. You can feel it. You can feel it. Just You're just hanging on to it to so let it go. Just If you had to let it go, what would it be? That's a good question, isn't it? If you had to let it go, what would it be? Well, oh, I know what mine would be. I keep working on letting it go. Okay, listen, I like this so much, I'm going to do it again. Coming back next week, I'm going to talk to uh, another author. I can't remember who. doesn't matter. We'll be here. Until then, thank you, my producer, RJ Jeffries. You're awesome as always. And everybody else, go find something you love and do it.